Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered, episode 65. Just going to cut straight to the chase. Going to be talking about the UNC Duke game from yesterday. I know I've been taking a couple weeks off from the podcast. Been very busy here at school. Great start to the semester, by the way. But I have to give my thoughts on the game from yesterday. I was extremely disappointed. I'm sure many Tar Heel fans out there were as well. But again, I am here to break down the game from yesterday, starting from tip-off. I'm just going to hop straight into this. And before I do... I just want to say I have very limited notes, straight up bullet points. This is going to be the most unfiltered episode of 125 Unfiltered so far on the podcast. This is going to be straight from the heart, straight from the knowledge uh, that I feel like I have obtained by watching the game and just thinking about it, sitting on it for a day. I will have the stat sheet in front of me, but aside from that, this is going to be uh, very unfiltered uh, as it says in the name. So let's just hop straight into it. So as we saw yesterday, Duke comes into Chapel Hill and beats UNC badly. 87-67, to they hopped out to an early 31-8 to lead. UNC eventually cut it to 11 at halftime, looked like they'd have a shot to make it a game. But at the start of the second half, Duke goes on a 12-0 run. 10 of those points being by A.J. Griffin. He actually started the half on a 10-0 run by himself. He finished with 27 for the game, 11 of 17 from the field. And they beat the brakes off of the Tar Heels. There's no other way to put it. UNC shot 41% from the field. However, Caleb Love, 3 of 10 for 8 points. RJ Davis, 11 points. 4 of 11. Brady Manick was the only one offensively who really got into a groove. He had 21 points, 7 of 16 from the field, made 6 three-pointers. And then on Duke's side, Paolo Bancaro, only 5 of 14 for 13 points. Leaky Black did a fantastic job guarding him once he was assigned on him. And trust me, we will get to that point later on. Wendell Moore was also 13 points. Trevor Keels, 11 off the bench. Duke shot 58% from the field, 47% from three, UNC 41% from three. But this game for Duke was won within the first four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. So now that I've given you all the numbers, I'm going to hop into why UNC lost this game, starting with the first second of the game. The big question for UNC was, who's going to guard Paolo Bancaro? Now, to describe his game, Bancaro, he is 6'10". He is a power forward. But he moves like a guard. He has the ball handling capabilities and the passing vision of a guard. He can shoot it from the outside. He can operate in the mid-range game, whether he's iso-balling, using dribble moves to get to spots, or in the post. He can obviously operate down in the paint. He is a polished offensive player. He is NBA ready, going to be a top three pick in this year's upcoming draft. The kid has a ton of potential. But with that being said, there are ways to slow him down. And the main question for Coach Davis yesterday was who is going to guard Paolo Bancaro? And he decided to go with Armando Baycott which in my opinion was the most colossal mistake of the entire season for Coach Davis. And there are so many things wrong with it. I'm going to break it down. 
going into this game, I was saying for days, Leaky Black needed to guard Paolo. He is our best defender. He's 6'8", long wingspan, great on the perimeter. He's got strength down low. He's not as easy to body as one might think. And then also the common, just the common sense of it, you put your best defensive player on the other team's best offensive player. Leahy Black has shut down multiple top scorers in the ACC this season. He held Michael DeVoe to two points for six turnovers off of him. Darion Sebron averaging about 17-18 a game for NC State. He held him to two points as well. Leaky Black is one of the best defenders in the conference. And why you don't start with him on Bancaro is an absolute crime. Not just that, but by starting with Baycott, not only did it get Paulo going early, he made five quick points to start the game, taking Armando off the dribble, making a three-pointer as well, because Baycott, he's 6'10 as well, but he's a center, he's a big body, he belongs in the paint, not on the perimeter. But the biggest problem for why Baycott should have never started on Paulo Bencaro is the fouls. He got an early foul trouble, drew two fouls in the first three minutes of the game, that sent him to the bench, Puff Johnson came off the bench to sub in for him, but we lost any sort of chance to establish dominance in the paint because Armando Baycott was sitting with two fouls. That is an inexcusable mistake from the coaching staff. That absolutely, positively cannot happen in a rivalry game and against a Duke team that is top 10 in the nation. So we see Baycott has to sub out. Duke starts the game on their 31-8 run, and the game was over. It was over within the first four to five minutes. And the biggest reason why is because our ACC Player of the Year contender might not get it anymore, but he was not on the floor. Defensively, how we should have started off this game, in my opinion, again, there's really, we don't know how we should have done it because we got smacked. However... Baycott should have been on Mark Williams from the jump. We should have put Leaky Black on Paolo Bancaro to start the game. Caleb Love, RJ Davis, they're going to guard. I actually think you put, with how A.J. Griffin played, now he was fantastic. Maybe you throw Caleb Love on A.J. Griffin and throw Brady Manick on Wendell Moore. R.J. Davis is obviously going to be on Roach or Keels, but there's another problem. We play with two big men, so does Duke, but Duke's second big man, Bancaro, is an NBA player. He's extremely versatile. Manick is too slow to guard him out there. Another massive underlying problem of playing with two big men in the current game of basketball. And the reason I'm so adamant about this is because I saw a tweet yesterday from Inside Carolina that says, Leaky Black held Paolo Bancaro scoreless on 0 of 3 shooting once Baycott picked up his second foul with 16.55 to play. For over 17 minutes of game time, for the entire rest of the first half, Bancaro did not score one time. Leaky Black was fantastic defensively, completely shut him down, took him out of the game plan. And that's what we needed to do to have a chance at winning. What happened when we did that? UNC climbs back. They're only down 11 now. They're not down 25. That 20-8 to run by UNC was not an accident. It was improved defense, primarily because of Leaky. 
And then obviously on the offensive end, we started hitting a bit more shots. Brady Manick was absolutely fantastic. 21 points. He was huge. The only UNC player to show up offensively. But putting yourself in a 20-plus point hole against a top 10 team in the nation is almost impossible to come back from. And then obviously AJ Griffin just put the nail in the coffin to start off the second half. I have absolutely never seen a team come out so flat-footed, so unprepared at the start of both halves in a rivalry game. So unprepared defensively, once Baycott was fouled out or, or, or came, went out of the games with two fouls, it completely threw their original game plan out of the window, and they were already down 15 at that point. Again, the game was over within the first four to five minutes because we started out with the wrong person on Baycott, and it snowballed into so many problems for Carolina defensively and offensively because our best player wasn't on the court. And originally, I thought it was going to be a battle between Mark Williams and Armando Baycott for who was going to get into foul trouble. Well, Paolo took that into his own hands and did it himself. So that's reason number one why we lost. Now let's go to the offensive end because this was not much better at all. If any, if at all. Terrible decision making from the guards. Caleb Love with four turnovers in what seemed to be the first 10 minutes. He's hit a slump offensively. We need the good Caleb Love to come back for UNC hitting shots, making good decisions. Because in recent games, he just hasn't been leading the offense. He hasn't been running it efficiently. The turnovers absolutely killed us. Him and RJ Davis needed to play well yesterday and hit shots. They did neither of those things to help UNC win absolute no-shows offensively. And then Baycott, not necessarily his fault. He didn't have as big of an impact as well, again, because he's on the bench. The best ability, they say, is availability. In a game like this, UNC needed a lot to go right. And nothing went right in those first few minutes. And it showed offensively. No ball movement whatsoever. Straight-up iso at times from the guards. And again, Manic was the only one who seemed to hit shots. We missed some open ones. Those are shots that we can normally hit. Shots you have to hit in a game like that. But we started off about 3 of 16 from the field. That's not going to get it done. Got to get better shots. Got to move the ball more. And we have to stop with the iso ball. It doesn't work. Hero ball does not work in college basketball. And you've got to put that on the guards. And hopefully the next time we play them, we can play more efficient offense. I want to go back to the defensive end real quick because I want to hit back on a point that I talked about a bit early, just a bit more elaborately. The problem with running two bigs on defense in the modern game of basketball. Brady Manick, again, was fantastic on offense, the only guy who showed up on that end of the floor. However, defensively, Playing with two big men is a problem, especially against teams who can run with four guys on the perimeter. We saw the issue when we played Notre Dame. We saw it a bit against Wake Forest. And we saw it again yesterday. Brady Manick, we know he's not a great defensive player. He makes all up for that on the offensive end. However, leaving him in one-on-one situations against guards who are quicker, faster, more athletic than him is a nightmare scenario for UNC they try to find a way to get him out of it by sticking him on Mark Williams. That put Baycott in that situation. Not much better of a result. 
and with how UNC's team is constructed, we run with two big men. And I said this last season, and I'm going to say it again, UNC needs to adapt. The modern game of basketball, you have a stretch four who can somewhat guard on the perimeter. And now we do have that stretch four component in Manic who can shoot threes. And I know Duke is a very special example because of Paolo Bancaro. But it is very, very tough to stick a big man on a perimeter uh, player. And it's something Hubert Davis never adapted to. Manic was so tired because of how much effort he was putting in offensively. And it eventually killed him on the defensive end because, man, it seemed like every single time someone scored in that first half, it was on him. So he's got to be better defensively. But schematically, there was no one for him to guard. Duke had a mismatch on the court every single time, especially when they went with a lineup with Keels, Roach, Wendell Moore, It whether Paolo was out there or A.J. Griffin was. And obviously Mark Williams is there inside, but I hope over time UNC can adapt a bit more to the modern game where you have four guys who can handle the ball. You have versatile defenders. This team is 1,000% missing another wing like Leaky Black. Having another 6'8 small forward out there would have been extremely helpful in a game like this without a doubt because we needed two Leaky Blacks to guard Bancaro and A.J. Griffin. So defensively, we obviously know that Brady needs to be better again. However, it's just the that's just how this team is constructed. And when you go up against a team like Duke and you don't have another guy to sub in to play uh, a small ball four, it's going to hurt you. But that's not the full reason why we lost. That's just a component that I wanted to hit on a bit because I'm very interested in how the game is evolving, how the game is changing. I think UNC's done a great job this year with going out and getting more versatile bigs. But it definitely killed us yesterday on the defensive end because they were attacking Manic all night long. And then I, I think I've gotten to everything except this last point. And this is where it the whole all the issues from last night really culminates. UNC's loss last night was not one game of a failure. This was a season failure by the coaching staff, by UNC as a whole. By the entire team. And let me explain why. UNC last night essentially played five players. All starters were above 30 minutes. Your bench, Kerwin Walton had 14 minutes. He made two out of his four shots. Puff Johnson had eight minutes. Justin McCoy, seven minutes. Styles had three. Dunn had two. The lack of a bench and players to bring off the bench to rely on to provide a spark plug is a huge reason for why this team has failed this season at beating quality opponents or even compete with quality opponents. Because when a Caleb Love or RJ Davis is not playing well, who do we have to go to? We can't rely on DeMarco Dunn to go out there and play in a game like that because he hasn't had that experience. Well, why has he ha- not had that experience? Why did we not take the time to develop our young players? Those are two freshmen and two sophomores right there who have potential. They have bright spots in their game. Why did we not play them more early on in the season? That's my problem. The lack of a bench has destroyed this team. 
The reason why last year's team could scrap for wins when they were definitely not as talented as this team is because there were guys that could come off the bench ready. Roy Williams consistently played 8, 9, maybe even 10 guys. Hubert Davis has shortened up the bench, pretty much playing no one. Again, 14 minutes for Kerwin Walton, our sixth man. That is absolutely nothing. Compare that with Duke. Trevor Keels played 20, and he's coming off of injury. And they had Theo John with 13 minutes. They had nine players with nine plus minutes. We had six. And again, the reason why we don't have a bench is because Coach Hubert Davis did not take the time at the start of the season to develop a DeMarco Dunn, Dontrez Styles, Puff Johnson, who obviously he was injured, so he's actually not there. Kerwin Wallen has, di- has regressed this year. He lost some confidence in his shot. But these are play- these are talented players. These are four uh, Kerwin's a three-star recruit, but these are four-star recruits with, with these freshmen. Why did we not develop the freshmen? We didn't give them minutes earlier on, so Davis is not going to be as confident in throwing them in now. And I feel like I'm just repeating myself here, but this really proved to be a seasonal failure because we needed a spark plug off the bench yesterday to reinvigorate some some energy, some electricity in this UNC team. And there was no one to answer the call because Coach Hubert Davis did not give anyone the chance to answer the call. It is February 5th. This team is not going to change. It is too late to give these bench guys more opportunities. Other teams in the country can develop their freshmen. Trevor Keel started from day one. He played 20 minutes off the bench, second game back from injury. He's a freshman. He's good. He's averaging about 11, 12 a game. I think that has been a seasonal failure, not developing your entire roster. And it shows. We had 11 points off the bench, six of which came in the last two minutes. And that's the part that gets me the most. Dontrez Styles gets an and one. I know it's in garbage time. And then DeMarco Dunn, he hits a three in the corner. These are two players who clearly have talent. You saw it in high school. That's why you recruited them here. Not using them is absolutely inexcusable. Imagine if those guys were ready. They got experience early on in the season. Potentially getting 10, 15 minutes a game against your weaker ACC opponents. Maybe earlier on the season against your out-of-conference Uh, opponents that were kind of gimmies at home. This is a huge problem for UNC basketball right now because when you don't have guys to come off the bench and you're purely relying on a few players to get you wins, if they are off and you have no one to call on, it's over. There's nothing you can do. And who knows what some some of these players could have done defensively. Dontre Styles is 6'7". I mean, he's a physical guy. I think he could have given A.J. Griffin a hard time. But again, he wasn't ready. Puff Johnson, 6'8". He's been playing fantastic. Why only 8 minutes? And this, and this is the guy who's gotten the most increase in minutes since Anthony Harris was out for the season. And I know not having Dawson Garcia is a big deal. But we have 5 guys on this bench who have potential to step up. And none of them are able to because they have simply just not been given the chance. I want to see these guys get more minutes. That's if if y'all want 
any underlying message. I want to see the, these these players, especially the freshmen, especially the freshmen. I want to see them get more minutes because who knows what we could have as long as we just give them a chance. And I'm certainly speaking very passionately here compared to my other episodes. So if this is the first episode you're, lis- you're listening to from me, this is UNC Duke. I was I was mad when we lost yesterday by 20. Feels like we lost by 40. But man, we love our Tar Heels. We love UNC. I was at college game day, a fantastic environment. It was still a very fun day. Take the game out of it. Very, very fun day just being in that environment on campus with all the fans. Even though I didn't get to go to the game. But still, I was watching it with, with friends here. We want to see better. We want to see more of a fight. And unfortunately, UNC didn't give it to us. And hopefully you guys can understand the reasons that I listed out for why we didn't win. If you Just to summarize everything, three reasons. First off, not starting with Leaky Black on Paolo Bancaro. Two, lack of a bench slash player to go in as a spark plug. And then three, none of the players offensively showed up aside from Brady Manick. With bad decision making, bad shot selection, terrible turnovers. Summarize that all up. All most of which happened in the first four minutes of each half again, and that's going to lead to a twenty point loss to your rivals. But that's really all I have for you guys today. Really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, a tough one to talk about. Hopefully, UNC can bounce back on Tuesday when they play Clemson. I believe that is at Clemson. But yeah, that is really it for me. Thank you so much for listening to 125 Unfiltered. Very happy I could be back on the mic after a couple weeks. Uh, It's been absolute uh, craziness here in Chapel Hill, but that's part of the college grind. Gotta love it. So yeah, thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.